This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. Vorloff is a dwarf who lives in a mountain and forges <laughs> really cool weapons. Um, so Vorloff is a is a dwarf. So is Ganondorf's son? Tailgatesociety.com Sponsored by Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce I'm Aaron Wall At Aaron L. Wall on Twitter Joined as usual by J.T. Nutt and Tim Johnson Guys, how are you this evening? I'm good, how are you doing? Hanging in there, just like everybody Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, all things considered The city's on fire, but I'm doing well yeah, yeah, they just started riding down here in Des Moines, so. Yeah. Well, let's hope that that uh, doesn't get any worse than it has to. Um, yeah. So, uh, but we're here once again, as per usual every week, to talk about beer. And we don't have a very special industry guest or a tailgate society guest so much this week. What we do have is our producer, Mr. David Graff, who is going to join us some this week uh, so that we can get to know him a little bit more because you guys hear all about JT and Tim and myself. Um, But really, uh, David's the glue that holds it all together for us on the back end because he does a really good job editing things together because I am 100% off the rails at times. Um, and he makes it sound pretty, pretty respectable. So, uh, we'll, we'll talk to him. Um, and then we're going to, we're going to do a, uh, Balder esque style game, um, where Tim asked JT and I, uh, what a beer term means. And we're going to either know the answer or make up an answer, uh, so that everybody gets a chance to, to learn some of the jargon that Tim throws around. Um, cause if you're like me, a lot of it, you don't know and you have to find out later. Um, so that's kind of the plan for this week. Wanted to get David on in part uh, because he is moving, uh, gets up first thing in the morning to drive from Montana where he currently lives for the next oh, 12 hours or so uh, to Southern California where he's moving to uh, be closer to his girlfriend's family, I think. So David, Thanks for joining us. We're glad to have you kind of participating this week. I'm happy that we could do this. Get it done before I move again. Yeah. Well, you know, you you should probably settle down and go roots at some point. That'll happen eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For our listeners, I think we, we should point out that David is kind of fascinating because there has not been a podcast that we have done yet where he has not been able to contribute something kind of behind the scenes, whether it be a restaurant in Texas or a beer from California or some other obscure reference that any one of us has made. There's a good chance that, that David knows something about that probably more than the rest of us as well. Well, I have lived in, in California, Arkansas, Texas, Montana, and Wyoming. So we'll see what's next. <laughs> Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. Run the lottery, uh, buy yourself a crab boat. It's too cold. So, uh, plug for David. If you're in Southern California listening to this and need a sound engineer or a producer, Call David. Find him on Twitter. He's fantastic. He's moving down there for personal reasons and uh, is going to be looking for work when he hits the ground running in L.A., I'm sure, or the L.A. area. Um, So, you know, hook him up, hit him up. Uh, So with the move going on, David, what are you most excited about uh, in this move? What's the best thing about moving to Southern California? I mean, the best thing is that 
have you been to Southern California? And then <laughs> for for at least a little bit, it'll be rent free. It doesn't get better than that, you know. That's true. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said for rent free. That's for sure. Take advantage of it while you can. You talked a little bit about everywhere that you live. We've all been able to to talk a little bit about ourselves. Why don't you just give our, our listeners the the thirty second elevator pitch of of who Mr. David Graff is? Thirty second elevator pitch on myself. Wow. Um, well, I wake up every morning and I check sports pretty much religiously and probably send about a hundred emails every day. So you can probably look at me at any given moment and know that I'm sending an email or looking at sports or doing something, which that was my job here in Montana. So I would say I'm pretty dedicated to it. Should we already do the Desert Island Beer already? No, actually, no. We haven't asked him that yet. My Desert Island Beer list? No, I didn't uh, didn't that. You're going to put Stone IPA on it, aren't you? That's that's number one. That's number one. It's the best beer on the planet. It's the best beer on the planet. If I go anywhere and there's Stone IPA on tap, doesn't even matter. I don't have to even hesitate. I know what I'm getting. So I'd start there. Then you guys did a lesion contact haze. I I do space dust from a lesion. So those are two. Then I love Budweiser, just like Aaron. Then I'm also true to my Arkansas roots. You got to have a bush light. So bush light, you know, that also comes in handy. In the morning, you know, you need a water, something to wake up to. You gotta have a bush light. And then a fifth one. I don't really have a fifth one, but I'd say uh, a new Belgium Voodoo Ranger IPA. So basically, basically, I could make bread with any of the beers and drink water. I could survive. I could survive the desert. Have you had any uh, uh, varieties of the Voodoo Ranger that you like better than the others? Because I know they've kind of done some weird one-offs the past few years. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I I used to live near Fort Collins, so I'd go to the brewery there in Fort Collins and get the different variations. At one point, they had like a hemp version. Smelled like straight... Uh, gas if you would like it's like <laughs> some, some fine dankery when you put your nose to it if you do tim's you know smell smell before you <laughs> taste it deal that was really appealing to me I, the beer was you know okay but it was nice to like feel like you were taking that hit of weed before <laughs> before drinking the beer yeah, I've had a, oh, yeah. had a couple weed-inspired beers, and haven't re- hasn't really been my style. I don't know. That's just me. Each their own. Yeah, I wouldn't say any of them actually taste good. They just kind of smell no. good. <laughs> well, you know, hops, very... Go ahead, Tim. I was going to say, hops and, and marijuana are actually cousins from plants, so it makes sense that you're getting a lot of those thiols. Uh, that are going to contribute to that dank smell. So it, it, it makes sense that, that those translate or at least correlate uh, from an aroma perspective. The best plant beer that I can think of is Breckenridge Brewery had like a, like a, I think it, was, it wasn't a Christmas tree ale, but like some sort of pine tree or something. And it was pretty damn good. Like, I feel like Tim said recently that he hates when people describe a beer as like tasting like Christmas, but that that's what it tasted like. <laughs> I like Christmas, but I love this beer. I'm, I'm glad you're, you're catching up on my uh, my Tim complains about beer articles. Yes, I did. <laughs> so, someone said it, uh, beer wasn't as Christmassy in the past, and I'm like, what the f does that mean? <laughs> 
Oh, that's don't funny. You know? Like, if you can't picture Santa Claus drinking the beer, it's not Christmassy enough. I can picture Santa Claus drinking a lot of things. I don't, yeah, is it, if it's, again, if it's not farting candy canes, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, so I know David and I were talking a little bit before the pod started about the area that he's, he's moving into. So, uh, unfortunately he's, he's not living on the beach. He does not have an ocean view. Um, but, uh, that's SoCal Anaheim area, right? A little bit east of Anaheim actually. But, uh, so do you, do you anticipate, and I'm asking this question for a reason, do you anticipate going to Huntington beach much? I've been to Huntington beach before. There's, I mean, it depends upon, you know, what the quarantine shelter in place situation is like. I don't, I don't really know. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm talking in general, not necessarily the minute you get there or anything. The reason I ask is because, so, you know, where the pier is and that street that tees off to where the pier is. I can't think of the name of the street, but if you go up that street about two or three blocks on the left-hand side in the upstairs of a building is a Hawaiian restaurant. Couldn't tell you the name of it for the life of me. Best fish tacos I've ever had. They're (laughs) fantastic. And they were like two bucks. They were cheap. And it You've was never been delicious. To James so, and Grill? Uh, I don't think so. There's that there's that one that's there on the corner. Um, that's two stories with the deck. That was right a, there on the corner. That was a joke. Have you that's seen I Love sure. You, man? No. Have any of you seen I Love You, man? No, I, I no. I worked at a movie store when I came out at Blockbuster but I never actually rented it even though I could have rented it for free but <laughs> didn't make it on my high list oh, I got five free movies every week and that wasn't one of them You're missing I, I love that you made what is probably a brilliant joke and it went over all of us <laughs> <laughs> somebody listening to this is going to get it yeah. yeah right now they're like like three of our seven listeners are kind of pissed off at JT and I. They're laughing their ass off and like, you guys are idiots. Why do I listen to this thing? Keep listening, by the way, please. Please keep listening. No one just, no one just got in a car accident because they're so pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of our dozens of listeners, David is also the guy that has an eye on how many people are downloading our pod and all that. There are a surprising number of you who are doing so. So thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate it, but, uh, Hey, get your friends involved. Tell them to subscribe to the tailgate society.com on Apple, uh, podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify and whatever else. Yeah. I added a new one this week. I said Spotify. Um, so, you know, do that for us so that, that the next time David looks and says, Hey, we have this many, it's bigger than it's ever been. Uh, help us out. David works really hard on all that stuff and, uh, get your friends to, to listen. Also listen to the other podcasts on the tailgate society sports and courts and culture check. And we're not that drunk. And apparently what is a super depressing matinee baseball this week because of the movie they watched, oh, no. uh, according to I, the Twitter, well, according to Twitter I, I what, Tim, what Ted said, um, you know, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but, uh, Ted just said that, uh, we get drunk and it's really sad because of the movie. So, uh, I just, just picture them like, getting drunk and watching Schindler's List. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, I think it's a sports movie, obviously. So. Yeah, Schindler's List is a sports movie. That's, it, no. I, I don't think so. But they're, they're Brian, Brian's song so. will be up there for being sad. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sad. It would be. Um, but yeah, check all that stuff out, too. Uh, support uh, David's side gig here so that maybe 
if he can't find a job where he can turn it into his full-time gig at the tailgate society where he produces all the podcasts. Um, and in order, in order to do that, we need listeners, we need followers, we need subscribers so that we can get sponsors and whatnot. You know how it works, business, etc. cetera. <laughs> uh, you are a, a regular salesman. I, I am. I'm very good at it. Um, David, Sales what podcast uh, was by night? That's right. I've been selling people a false image of me for 40 years. I'm not going to stop now. <laughs> uh, but uh, David, while, uh, while you're here, anything uh, you want to shout out, any of the other work that you've done? I know you've done some other pods. You're working on some other projects. Anything you want people to, to check out? Okay. I've done a, a few podcasts recently. One that I was working on when I still had a job was a podcast about the University of Montana men's basketball program. They have kind of an amazing coaching tree they have a pretty much every single coach that's ever coached there has gone on to coach at a major school or been the best coach at the school that they've gone on to so like guys have gone on to stanford utah oregon state um mid-major programs like old dominion utah state so uh, I just I produced those interviews and did that. Then currently I host uh, host and produce a podcast for the sports pages in Southeast Wyoming um, called the Wyo Sports Podcast. Uh-oh. I love any any support on that guy. We actually have uh, coming up next week. Our guest is going to be uh, Cleveland Cavaliers forward Larry Nance Jr. So looking oh, forward wow. to that. Nice. Yeah, and then a project down the road that I'd love to talk more about that I've been uh, working on is a podcast about minor league baseball, the Pioneer League, which is one of the leagues that is in danger of losing their uh, major league baseball affiliation. I've been talking with people who have played in the league and gone on to the major leagues and then also people who are color commentary guys, newspaper reporters, so that'll be coming out soon. That'll be fun. But that yeah, that's, yeah that, that encompasses most of my work. Pioneer League baseball is kinda interesting because that's that's mostly just all out there like Montana, Idaho Yeah, the teams maybe are, the teams are in Montana. Idaho Falls, uh, there are two teams in the Salt Lake area, and then a team in Grand Junction and Colorado Springs. Okay, okay, yeah, so like, like the, the, the Paddleheads, right? Isn't that yeah, one of those teams? Team, that's the team in Missoula. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. No, I, I was reading, uh, what was it, like National Geographic or something actually had had something on that you know we have we have the northern league uh here in, in the saint paul area where they you know it's barely a step above semi-pro but you know dante Pichette's kid played in it and, and occasionally you'll get someone either on the way down or their way up that, that swings through there but it's kind of fun because those those organizations just because they're trying to get fans and they they there's much about uh, entertainment as they are about baseball. I think that's a minor league thing, period. The minor league teams I've worked for, not directly for them, but as a cameraman, it's, yeah, they want you to come and enjoy the game, but it's all about having a good fan experience and making sure the whole family is entertained with, you know, whether it's videos or music or what have you, because, yeah, maybe the kid's really into it, maybe mom isn't, but, yeah, that that's always a hard sell for a minor league, but if you can do it well, you can usually get a pretty good following. Yeah, my first job in high school was uh, for the local minor league baseball team, and one of the craziest promos that they ran and that I've ever heard of was uh, midget wrestling. 
Yep. Pre. There used to be midget tossing too. Pre-game, just got little guys going after each other, throwing them around the ring, hitting guys with chairs. It was violent. Yeah, well, you know, pro wrestling is real, so. Still real to uh, me, Sammy. <laughs> that is, that's the wrestling homer of this group. That is still hilarious to me. That guy, I don't know why he's crying in public. Still real to me, damn it. Funny. Well, awesome. Well, David, we sure appreciate all you that you do for us, obviously, and uh, we probably can't say it enough, even though I, I try to say it every week. Um, so thanks again for everything that you do. Thanks for putting up with us hooligans and our shenanigans. Um, but uh, uh, good luck on your move tomorrow. Drive safe. Uh, you know, like a good parent, let us know when you get there. Um, and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, can't can't thank you enough. We really appreciate it, man. I really appreciate you guys. I love being a part of this team. I totally thought you were going to say the State Farm slogan, like hoping that yeah, I had car I insurance. I, like, I thought that was coming <laughs> for sure. I did as well. What are you wearing? Okay. <laughs> uh, she sounds yeah. hideous. Well, yeah. So, um, so we're gonna move on and, and play our little ridiculous game because I'm I'm pretty sure some of the answers here are gonna get pretty out there as we make things up to try to figure out what these words are. Um, so, if you haven't already. Um, and, and it's a pretty local beer. I know we haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, we will mention it on the tweets and stuff like that when we when we put this out. Um, our beer this week is uh, Oreo Speedwagon. It's the, the beer that uh, JT came strong with right out of the gate in the very first uh, pod as being his favorite beer. So uh, make sure you've got that thing primed and ready for a few minutes from now when we get to that part of the pod. But for now, I'm going to kick it over to the host of our most ridiculous define that word, uh, Tim Johnson, so he can uh, figure out what words he's going to ask us from Beer Lingo, and JT and I will do our best to get at least one right somewhere. (laughs) No, hey, uh, you know, I use a lot of jargon on this podcast, a lot where it's just become... Not even just a second language, but a first language for me. And I'm sure not just you guys, but our listeners are probably wondering what the hell I'm talking about. Sometimes we're not necessarily uh, reaching out to all of the the beer nerds. Uh, We have a lot more of kind of an all-day type of audience. But uh, some of these things that I've been thinking of, that I might say that you guys don't necessarily know what they mean. Uh, we'll kind of talk about some simple, oh, well, I shouldn't say simple, some of the more basic terms that I think are, are pretty common in beer, maybe get a little bit more esoteric as well. But uh, I think the first word I'm going to start with is wort. W-O-R-T, wort. What do you guys think that means? Um, and I will start with JT. Wow, I, that is a term I've never heard of before. Uh, let's hear words. Uh, sounds German. Uh, can I get the country award? No. Uh, <laughs> use it in a sentence. Uh, no, I work to work. Almost sounds like maybe. Imagine it. It, it would involve measuring something as far as maybe volume. Or maybe it has to do with something like hoppiness or bitterness, but I'm going to go with it's a measurement of volume, and that's just a wild guess. Okay. Aaron, would you like to take a uh, – you look like you might actually know what this one is. Uh, uh, well, maybe. It's been a while, and and I wouldn't – I would absolutely not have known had you not spelled it. Okay. Um, because I had always pronounced it warp. W-O-R-T, wort, not wort. Um, and uh, it is the, 
Oh, stage, I guess, maybe is the way I would call it, or the, the point in the process where the mixture is fermenting and developing uh, the yeasts and everything. I, I remember putting a plastic uh, jug or that into our bathtub to let the wort <laughs> wort uh, sit for days in a place. Uh, so I, that's that's what I'm going with. It's something along those lines. It's been a long time since we brewed beer at my house. All right. Um, you know what, uh, David, I'm going to ask if you want to go ahead and join on this one as well, if you have any thoughts. I have no idea. None. <laughs> All, right. Like All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give a, a point to Aaron on this one. Uh, this one is, yeah, uh, that was a very close answer. Um, I think the most dumbed down, talk to me like I'm a five-year-old answer I can give for work is it is sugar water. Essentially, once you have steeped and rinsed the grains and you are in your boil kettle, that is is work. So that is the pre-fermentation beer. Um, there's an old saying that brewers make work and yeast makes beer. The idea being that work is what the brewers are producing in the brew house. Uh, in order to go into the fermenters, you take that wort and put it in the fermenter for the yeast to go ahead and, and eat that sugar and convert that into ethanol. So, Aaron, uh, nice work. I was sort of close. I was in the ballpark. So you were, was, you were very much. I, uh, I was to win. Yeah, one of those things. Whenever I, you know, I give a brewery tour or. Uh, talk about this, uh, give it like a beer 101. The first thing I ask people is if they've ever homebrewed before, because usually there's some of those things that people, people have, have heard or, um, or seen or come across or at least read. Maybe they don't know how to pronounce it because they're only reading it, but that is definitely one of those. So, yeah, uh, yeah. fantastic. So, so one- 20 plus years later, I have not had all of my brain cells yet because that's the last time I was probably 14 or something when we homebrewed with my dad and my brothers and stuff. So it's been a long, long time, 25 years. And I happen to remember that one. All right. All right. Uh, the next one I am going to go with is Zorloff. Vorloff, V-O-R-L-A-U-F. Uh, I'll go first this time since we we made JT go first last time. Vorloff, I'm going to go with that. Uh, let's see. Vorloff is a dwarf who lives in a mountain and forges <laughs> really cool weapons. Um, so Vorloff is a, is a dwarf. So it's Ganondorf's son? Yeah, something like that. Okay. If I ever write a sci-fi book, I'm now naming a dwarf Vorloff. All right. Um, that, that is a guess. I will give you that. (laughs) 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 I don't know what, what, uh, dwarfs have to do with, with brewing, but, uh, we'll take it. JT, uh, do you have... Anything plausible to actually guess? Floorlop, I was going to say it sounded like a it sounded like a wrestling faction, like a tag team. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Vorloft. But uh, no, Vorloft. Good lord, I honestly have no idea. Uh, guess it has to do with the brewing process. Maybe some sort of residue that's left behind is a Vorloft. Just taking back off our last word. That's probably not correct, but as I'm watching a riot happen here in Des Moines, that's what I've got. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, well, Vorloff is actually the process of recirculation uh, that happens once you are, before you're about to create that work, what you want to do is you want to go ahead and take 
the the first runnings off the bottom of the mesh and recirculate it on top. What that does is it helps set the mesh bed, and then it also sets the mesh uh, bed or the mesh to go ahead and be a filter, so that we are running that that wort into your boil kettle. It's going to to be clear. So what brewers actually do is they recirculate the mesh water on top of itself for a bit until it runs clear before running into a kettle. So if you ever hear a a brewer talk about Vorloff, that is what they are talking about. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Much yeah. makes a lot more sense than my answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that bar was low, but yes. Uh, yeah. what do you All, right. Do? All right. Um well uh since JT was closer, I'm gonna go ahead and give the point to him on this one. Uh woohoo this next one is a term that you've probably heard used in like radio signals and things like that. So you might be able to, to deduce what it means when it comes to beer. Uh, but, uh, and especially since, you know, JT, you actually have uh, a broadcast related background. You might have, have a, a hint here, but uh, attenuation. Games rigged. <laughs> attenuation attenuation should we let David do this one first since Aaron I've gone first he's shaking his head no attenuation jeez ah uh, these are all deep dives into brewing terms that I have no idea what they mean I almost feel like we should do a hot podcast where I drop a bunch of hockey terms on you guys and let you guys try to figure out what they mean uh, <laughs> Or, or just construction rental equipment that what the actual term is instead of spinning thing is people call it. Uh, attenuation? Uh, I don't know. Attenuation. Uh, Going to go what I said on the first one has to do with levels of some kind and some sort of measurement device would be my guess. And that's just a shot in the dark. Okay. All right. Uh, Aaron. Uh, it seems like I should know this because it's a very familiar sounding word. Um, but unfortunately, I can't can't seem to to place it. Um, I, I want to say it's a, and I don't know why this is coming to my brain, but almost like a like a. a chain in the process of you know turning the sugars into alcohol or something like that but uh, I don't know why that's in my brain it's probably completely wrong actually that is a, a really good step down the path so uh, when we talk about attenuation in terms of beer it's about uh, how much sugars have been uh, consumed and converted in, into alcohol. So a lot of times you will hear someone say this beer is very well attenuated. What they mean is there's not a whole lot of residual sugar. It's finishing out drier. Uh, so really it just, it refers to how much sugar is, is left over, how much that sugar was converted in, into uh, alcohol and different styles of beers are going to have more or less residual sugars based on the, on the, the mash temperature and things like that. But, uh, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, this beer is under attenuated and that's really them saying this beer is sweeter than it should be for the style and, and what you would expect and, and maybe uh, not as finished, maybe a little flabby, if you will. But yeah, so that is attenuation. Sweet. Yeah. I, underst I understand flabby. <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, the next one I'm going to go with is louder. L A U T E R. Like Estee Lauder. Boy, that's a good question. Um, that one doesn't seem to be connecting any dots in my brain. And I don't even have a really stupid thing to say about it like I did with 
Voldemort or whatever the hell that word was a minute ago. Um, yeah, no, I, boy, I couldn't, I'm going to say it's the, the leftovers of the wort, the stuff that, uh, after it's fermented and whatnot gets strained out and thrown away. Okay. That's a hell of a guess, actually. Uh, it's louder, you said? I've actually heard this term before. I think probably when I did a brewery tour, but during the brewery, since it was a brewery tour, I was already pretty well lubricated myself. So, uh, louder. Imagine that is, going to say it has something to do with the mash process of the creating of the beer. All right. Uh, so you're both, you're both kind of right. Yeah. So the louder process, a lot of times you'll hear, if you go on a brewery tour, like you mentioned, the louder ton. And what okay. is, yeah. What is happening in the louder ton is that this is the process of separating the mash and the work. So, uh, Louder is, is literally about, um, I think it literally translates something to like left behind or something like that. But literally what it means is, is the separation of the word. And so what happens after you roll off, uh, the mash onto itself, now you go through the louder process. So you are draining and rinsing the work from the grains to get the, the maximum amount of those those sugars that happened from the mashing process to create the wort. So, yeah. Uh, the next one I'm going to go with is Croizen. Uh, Croizen. Yeah. Uh, I think I, as a kid, there was a drink I had that was Croizenberry, but I could be wrong. Croizen. Croizen. It's croisin sounds like a verb to me. Sounds like an action of some sort. Uh, you're going to croisin the beer. You're going to do the croisin process. So I'm guessing it has something to do with, you seem to be going in order. So I'm going to guess it has something to do with after the louder. It's something to do after what you do after that. Uh, some sort of separation or recirculation. I don't know. I'm just guessing at this point. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, croisin. I think it's a, I think it's a noun. I think it's a thing. Um, I think it's going to be the, uh, thick head residue on the beer after it goes into that. Okay. So, uh, Croizen, uh, can kind of be used as both a noun and a verb. Uh, Croizen is, is the, uh, Tends to be the 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 head that happens when you are in active fermentation. So a lot of times you'll hear people say that they're doing something at high croisin, and so what they're saying is they're at they're doing something at the period where uh, in a top fermenting yeast is at its most active. You'll see a large kind of foamy cap on there. There is also an act called croisoning where you're taking actively fermenting words and adding that into a finished beer to help it attenuate, to help it clean up other things, to help it naturally carbonate. So you're taking that yeast and instead of force carbonating, you're, you're getting that, uh, that natural carbonation in there as well. So yeah, I, again, I, I would say you guys are both, uh, within the ballpark there. So, Go. You're being nice to us. I believe you talked about it when uh, you were boasting to Michael about how good your There's Always Money in the Banana Stand beer was. Uh, and I think if I understood that conversation correctly, which I probably didn't, but if I did... I think it is a, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know that it's an acid technically, but it's a compound of some sort in the beer that gives it a fruity-ish flavor. JT. Wow. Can you give me the word to me again one more time? Sorry. The tanamyces. Tanamyces is the acidity of a beer. 
Well, uh, this one, neither of you are really close. So I'll oh. go Aaron, what I think you were talking about was isoamyl acetate, which is oh. an ester that creates fruity esters in beer. Um, but I have talked about botanomyces before. Whenever you hear myces in just a scientific term, this isn't even uh, a brewing specific thing, but just myces uh, refers to fungus and yeast is a fungus. So botanomyces, so you think about brewer's yeast is, is uh, Saccharomyces, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, or Saccharomyces pastorianus um, for, for a lot of lottery yeasts, but botanomyces is a wild yeast. So a lot of times when we're talking about wild beers or funky beers, uh, Brett is not necessarily something like lactic acid that's going to make it sour, but it's common in spontaneously fermented beers. Uh, it is used often in sour beers, but it's a wild yeast, so you get kind of a farmhousey, horse blankety type of thing that comes from that. So once we get down the road and we, we, we have a Brett beer, uh, then we'll talk a little bit more about that. So uh, keep that in mind. We'll talk about botanomyces. We'll talk about isolamyl acetate, like Dan was referring to. We'll talk about some of those other ones. So uh, overall, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys um, a C. Is that fair? Sweet. I don't have to retake the test. Degrees, <laughs> <laughs> baby. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well. I mean, if nothing else, maybe I proved that I sort of try to listen to Tim when he's talking. Uh, so we got that going for us, which is nice. Um, stick around. We're going to hit up our tasting right after this message from our sponsor, Deadeye Barbecue Sauce. This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Welcome back to Bitter Units. We are into the beer tasting, and our beer this week is Oreo Speedwagon, another one of those puns we've talked about, uh, from Lake Time Brewery. Uh, JT, this is... Your choice, your beer. Tell us what you know uh, about Lake Time and uh, a little bit about the beer. Well, Lake Time actually has a very good connection to Minneapolis because the past two times I've gone to Minneapolis, going back to Des Moines, a blizzard has happened either while I was at an event at the Target Center or while I was driving home. I was actually driving home once and it just a sheer ice storm. Uh, they had us get off the highway. And as soon as I got into Iowa, I'm like, I need a beer. Can you go to Clear Lake? And I went to, it's actually in a house. Uh, I sat down and had a beer and there's actually a couple people from Minnesota that did the same thing. Like, yeah, after driving through that, we need to chill a little bit. But Oreo Speedwagon, the only reason I tried it was my favorite, one of my favorite restaurants here in town called uh, Obey Shop, has now well over 150 beers on tap, uh, all rare and microbrewed and things like that. I mean, they've got some major breweries too, but there's no Bud, Bud Light, anything like that. It's all rare and neat beers, uh, and even more in cans. And I'm like, Oreo Speedwagon, okay, that's a funny pun. We'll give it a shot, and instantly fell in love with it. Um Every time I go there, I usually get that if I sit down and eat, which I actually did last weekend and had myself some tater tot, uh, some bacon-wrapped tater tots, which were amazing, uh, which actually mixed pretty well with the Oreo Speedwagon. But Lake Time is a small place out of Clear Lake, San Cerrito Lake Time, uh, which is a small town on the north side of Iowa, north central Iowa. Um, yeah, they're known for kind of fruity and unique beers, but this is one that they came up with. They've got another fudge one that's fantastic as well, but this is my favorite one. I can drink it 365 days a year, and it tastes good. Uh, but, yeah, it is certainly my favorite beer, and it's actually the beer I drink every time we've had a podcast. That's what I've been drinking at the beginning of every show. So I'm looking forward to see what you guys think of it. Tim, do you 
happen to know this brewery? Do you know anything about them that you can add on to that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know a ton about this brewery. I've had some of their beers before just because my family lives down in Iowa. I think they're probably about eight years old, I want to say. So, uh, uh, you know, relatively new as far as craft beer, but as far as, as Iowa's beer scene, they're actually probably one of the more uh, well-established smaller breweries. But yeah, other than that, I don't know a ton about them other than, um, you know, they, they seem to do uh, what they do really well. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited to dig into this beer. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to read a little bit of the, off the can here um, just to give people, because this is such a regional beer, obviously the most regional that we've done so far. This is not one that most of you can just go out and find unless you are in uh, the upper Midwest, let's say. Um, but uh, it is a 5.6% ABV. Um, and to hit up our IBUs that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, apparently this is a 26. And it uh, reads as a chocolate vanilla milk stout. So let's get to the smelling. Yeah, go ahead and open it up. Pour that into your glass if you haven't already. Get to the smelling. That is such a sophisticated way to talk about this. You are truly a connoisseur, Mr. Wall. I am. All right. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, appearance and appearance, obviously, uh, maybe a very dark, dark ruby if you really hold that up to light. You know, a lot of times we talk about these beers as black or brown. If you hold it up, you really start to see some of those more kind of ruby characteristics, a little bit like a deep, 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 deep red. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, Aroma, what are you guys getting out of this? Malty was my first word that came to mind. Sure. It smells sweet to me. Okay. I, def- I definitely get that hint of, of vanilla. Um, I, I really, I mean, you guys are going to call me completely asinine and crazy for saying this, but it really smells like something that I want to, uh, make a root beer style float with <laughs> and throw some ice cream in it. It's not a bad and, idea. Uh, I'm, I'm, there might be a place here in town that does that come to think of it. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually had a, uh, a stout float earlier this week, Aaron, so uh, as as a um, well-stomached man who enjoys ice cream and any excuse to combine ice cream and beer, I, uh, I, I did have a, uh, a, a stout float earlier this week. Sometimes add a little bit of uh, framboise, get a little bit of raspberry in there, too. Oh. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So, you know, uh, what are you guys getting as, as you take that first sip? What are you getting for that, that taste? So it's obviously, it doesn't hit you like the stone does, or it doesn't have that, that bitterness. Obviously, we talked about that with the IBUs being pretty low. It's really a kind of a creamy feel as far as that goes. It's definitely thicker. Uh, to me, feeling, um, but it's really smooth with just uh, on the back end of it. It's almost like a uh, almost a coffee type taste of finish. Sure. Okay. JT, yeah. you have any thoughts? Yeah, I was gonna say it's definitely smooth to me. I definitely got a hint of coffee to it. Uh, a lot of stouts anymore get very heavy with the coffee. I've even seen some porters do that, but. Uh, coffee stouts are certainly a trend now, and usually they're pretty darn delicious unless they go a little too crazy with coffee. Uh, but no, I definitely, I can see why they call Oreo Speedwagon because I can definitely taste chocolate. I can definitely taste vanilla. Maybe just a hint, just a hint of mint. Uh, not trying to rhyme there, uh, but it happened. But yeah, it's just very smooth to me. Uh, <laughs> Some of the beers we've had earlier have had really full mouthfeel where you just see a little sip and your mouth feels completely full. This one doesn't have it. It's very smooth. Hey, um, Dunkin' Donuts iced mocha um, 
you know, that you can buy in the bottle from the convenience store or whatever. It's got yeah. that, it has that kind of flavor profile, not, it's, because it's not as sweet as, say, um, if you've ever had one, one of the Starbucks ones, they're sweeter. This is a not as sweet, but still sweet, but it's definitely, that's, that's what hits me in my brain as to this is what this tastes like a little bit. Sure. So this is a milk stout. And so what that means is there is actually lactose. There's actually milk sugar that is added to this, uh, that is meant to give it that fuller body and that residual sweetness. So a lot of times you might hear this called a milk stout or you might hear it uh, called a sweet stout. But that lactose isn't going to attenuate. It's not going to be consumed by, by that yeast and it's going to, to uh, keep that body up and keep that sweetness in there. So that's definitely where you're getting that. It makes a lot of sense that you would kind of liken it to um, uh, that, you know, a latte coffee type of drink. And then there's also going to be uh, roasted malts in here. And those roasted malts are going to impart a lot of that, that coffee flavor. So there's not necessarily coffee added to this beer, but just those roasted malts are going to create a lot of that coffee flavor. This does say that it's a, a chocolate milk stout. So I, you know, I don't know enough about this if they've actually added cacao nibs or anything like that, or if that's all just through... Um, chocolate malts. A lot of times you can get a lot of chocolate characters through uh, what's called chocolate malts, which is just more of, of uh, a dark malted uh, uh, grain. But uh, it's possible that they probably that they age this on. I would guess they probably age this on cacao nibs, although it's not heavy in that where you get a lot of that full coffee flavor. And then there's also vanilla, which Again, I'd be curious. I, I've i made a beer very similar to this professionally. Uh, that actually did have coffee in it, but it also had uh, vanilla. That was using uh, real Madagascar bourbon vanilla bean that I, I uh, processed, you know, finely chopped and steamed and, and let steep warm for a while. I, this definitely doesn't come across as kind of extracty, so I'd I'd be curious to know what they're doing for for vanilla. A lot of times you have these vanilla milk stouts, and they they come across and they taste like you know artificial extract, vanilla extract type of things. This one definitely feels natural, but uh, you know they could just found a found a really good vanilla product that doesn't taste. Uh, that artificial it definitely comes across more like using real vanilla bean whether or not they do I don't know but yeah so there's definitely a vanilla component that is added which is not just from the malt uh, and then how about that finish so we, you know we kind of talk about finishes is what are you getting is that sits on the back of your tongue or as you're getting that retro nasal aroma after you you swallow that beer what are you getting yeah. And, and and that's really probably where my comparison comes in the most. It's that after finish, you know, where I get that residual. Um, that's probably where that comparison really hit me because you saw me drinking it and then I, like throwing my hands in the air realizing what it reminded me of. Um, but I think that's where I get it. But, it, I mean, it finishes nice and clean. Um but it's, I, I like it. It's a good. It's good. It's tasty. Yeah, I definitely get maybe the re, the residual taste afterwards is maybe if we're going to compare it to coffee, maybe a mocha style uh, with that chocolate flavor, or <clears throat> maybe even you know I when I drink coffee, I don't drink it very straight. I like putting a lot of creamer in mine. I like vanilla creamer, and it kind of cuts down on that bitterness on that. So that kind of reminds me of that too. But yeah, it's definitely. It's, there's not as much flavor profiles going on as the IPAs we drank before, but it's definitely something I enjoy. It's definitely something I consider really smooth all the way throughout the process. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a beer that that I could I could drink again. So again, uh, thank you, JT, for for making sure that, that this is a beer that that we could we could sample and and, and appreciate. But it's definitely something that I think. 
for the style to be able to get that that full body, you know, a beer, you're not going to feel guilty drinking at nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> type of of beer, or adding a scoop of ice cream too. I think this would be delicious with a scoop of ice cream with you know, like a French vanilla right in there, or maybe even uh, a strawberry or raspberry would be nice in there. Um, which I'm I'm all about. Uh, fine. It's it'll be interesting to, to uh, you know keep keep this in your mind of what we're drinking uh, this week. So when we go in and do uh, uh, the shoots Black Butte here in, in a couple of weeks or next week, next week, next week yeah. yeah. Um, so we can kind of compare that Black Butte Porter with this chocolate milk stout. Um, so yeah. So I, I got a question for you, Tim. Originally, um, we had we had tried to pure pure procure procure um, <laughs> left left hand milk stout yes. uh, was what the original stout was that we were going to try to do, and we had some in comparison similar types of similar beers. I mean, they're both milk stouts. One says chocolate, though the other doesn't, but. Yeah, so Left Hand Milk Stout is, is definitely kind of in the same vein. I I uh, I would venture that they have even more uh, lactose in, in that, but I'm, I'm I don't know. I'm I'm speculating. They certainly don't have vanilla uh, added in. You often see Left Hand Milk Stout. Uh, on nitro, most of the time you see in the bar, it's, it's on nitro. They have nitro cans, uh, which are fantastic. I, I have some of that in my fridge right now. I, I definitely appreciate it. it. It adds to the the smoothness and creaminess without you know necessarily having to add the calories. Uh, but it's, it's definitely kind of in the same vein. What, uh, <laughs> um, what, what was that about, JT? I can drink any beer on the planet, but do not give me a nitro beer. I, oh, God, horrible. You're yeah. taking a really good beer and you're ruining it with just like, it's basically like you put a bunch of ice cubes in a beer and let it sit overnight and then drink it warm. That's what every nitro beer I've ever had has tasted like. It's just awful. I am willing to bet that you have had a nitro beer that you loved and you had no idea it was nitro. That's possibly correct. Nitrogen has nothing to do with warm. Nitrogen is meant to, we'll get into this uh, in a future podcast, but nitrogen is meant to to mimic cascale. So a lot of times you've probably had them and they they come across as warm. They certainly have uh, a lower level of carbonation so they come across that. They're meant to mimic, again, a cask. no, I didn't mean they tasted warm. It's just when I think of something that tastes really bad, I think of leaving it in the car to melt all day when it's warm and then you drink it. So that's what that's coming from. It's not actually the flavor of warmth. It's what happens when, yeah, if that makes sense. So maybe uh, I just... No, it doesn't, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I, I think probably what you're getting there is, is the lack of carbonation and the more nitrogen that you're getting in there. But... Uh, uh, yeah, that's something we, we should explore. It would be fun to kind of give you some different nitro beers and, and, and see what you're getting or, or what it is that you actually do and don't like about that. I'm not leaving beer in my car all afternoon to drink it warm. <laughs> not doing that experiment. And that's not the experiment I want anyone to do. <laughs> okay. so just put it in your fridge so at least the temperature is fine, but it'll still place like flat ass, but yeah. Yes, but uh, yeah, no, that would be awful. But this beer, not awful. Um, tasty beer, again, I think it would be really good on some ice cream if you had uh, no milk in your house, and it would probably be all right. I mean, <laughs> if you're like me and wanted a bowl of cereal and didn't have any milk. Um, I would put but, it on a uh, Cocoa Pebbles, yeah. Yeah, I think it would fit, right? A little bit more chocolatey, and then I think it would be pretty good, actually. Probably um, do really well with Rice Krispies, too, because they don't really have a ton of flavor, and that would kind of bring it to flavor time a little bit. Yeah, so a really interesting beer. Um, it's it's good. I, like, I, in general, like stouts anyways. I'm not like JT, though. Um, I, I don't necessarily want stouts... I more think of stout as being a winter beer for me. 
because it makes me fuller and feel warmer um, rather than a nice light crisp beer for the summers. Um, but that's just a personal preference. Um, probably a wrong one, but I've been wrong a few times in my life. Um, so uh, overall, definitely would drink this again if you are in the Clear Lake, Iowa area. Uh, probably worth stopping at the brewery because if they make a, a beer of this quality, uh, they probably got some other good ones too. Um, so if you're, if you're Des Moines and Minneapolis sometime, make a pit stop, check them out. Um, probably be a fun little detour. Um, JT, I'm going to, I'm going to let you, uh, shout them out a little bit here. Cause this is, as you said, like your favorite beer. So tell the people what you want to tell them because this is your one shot to really sell them on, on finding this beer one way or another, whether that's having it shipped from someplace or whatever you can do to get it, uh, sell it. It's pretty much from what I can tell pretty much. I know it's widely available here in central Iowa and we're really not that close to clear Lake. It's a pretty decent drive from Des Moines, but most of the high V's here in town have it. A lot of the fairways have it in town. Uh, just depends on how good your, Beer guy is at your grocery store because one by my house, the high V, the guy sucks and doesn't order anything good at all. But if I go a little bit further to another one, they've got everything. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's a good, easy drinking beer. Uh, I believe they're pretty much a family run uh, brewery up there in Clear Lake. So they don't have a ton of distribution, but somehow they're able to can quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, I know you can get it here in Iowa pretty much everywhere. I imagine there are ways you could get it shipped to you uh, if you know someone, wink, wink. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if it's available outside the state of Iowa, but if you're here in the state of Iowa, you should be able to find a pretty regular because you can see Lakeside has beers all over the state right now. So, and that's a good thing because I like seeing small breweries be able to get their product outside of just their own town. Yeah, and I think that would be a uh, – Clear Lake is not a very big town. I think to be a successful brewery, I think you'd have to be pretty good on the distribution canning side of things to be able to really make a dent in the market. Um, because there just wouldn't be that much local business all the time, maybe in the summers, you know. But um, Tim, any final thoughts on this beer? Uh, you know, one thing that I was going to say about this, we, you know, we talked about pairing with with ice cream. I would also really think, you know, and for someone like you who kind of considers stubs to be a winter beer, I would try this beer in December because I think this thing is going to go absolutely great with barbecue sauce, honestly. Uh, so, you know, you pick up some, some dead-eye barbecue sauce, as I recently did, I picked up some data and uh, made uh, some smoked some pork loin, smoked some ribs, got some some smoky there. There, uh, I believe it's sweet and smoky or something like that. Smoky barbecue sauce, and and had a, a, another stout with that. But I think this would play really nice with that. So I think for someone that wants to to take a beer like this and. And not just drink it in the middle of winter. I think something with you know a rich kind of bourbony, smoky barbecue sauce. I I think this would would pair well uh, with that. So Aaron, I would definitely recommend giving that a try as well. I mean, it's it's a reasonable assumption knowing what I know about barbecue sauce that there are many barbecue sauces that have uh, some actually some that put chocolate in the barbecue sauce to get some of that sweetness and stuff. So that, that makes sense. I mean, and it would maybe pair really well with, um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to trying it. So I would definitely do that. Wouldn't the, wouldn't the bark chocolate also kind of help with thickness too, in a barbecue sauce? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, for okay. sure. Um, so, but yeah, so, uh, once again, that was Lake Times Oreo Speedwagon. Uh, if you can find it, try it. It's a good beer. You won't, uh, feel bad about drinking it. Um, once again, please check out our sponsor, Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce, uh, the best goddamn barbecue sauce in the known universe. Uh, you can find them on Amazon Prime, locallymarket.com. Uh, locally in Iowa and the Midwest, uh, Hy-Vees and Fairways. Um, but they've been great uh, to us to let us keep doing this. 
Um, check out the other pods on the tailgatesociety.com. Uh, subscribe, rate, uh, give us a review, hit us up on Twitter. Again, I'm Aaron L. Wall on Twitter, at Aaron L. Wall. Uh, Tim is uh, at Tim Johnson MN, uh, if I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, so Tim Johnson, Minnesota MN. Um, and uh, JT is, uh, you're just JT Nut, aren't you? JT the Nut. The nut. That's right. It's J- at JT the nut, and that's two T's. Two T's. Yes. N U T T. JT the nut. Um, so it sounds like, like you got to, a pair of T's. Yeah, I'd like to hit. Uh, <laughs> like to uh, hear any suggestions you might have on what we should do in the future. Uh, we're going to have a really uh, good guest next week. As we roll into Deschutes, uh, Black Butte Porter will be the beer, and we have the Vice President of Marketing for Deschutes uh, lined up. Mr. Neil Stewart will be joining us, uh, sort of live, at least live with us, but recorded for you from Bend, Oregon. Um, so uh, see you next week, and again, check out all the stuff on the tailgatesociety.com.